Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. What a great week it has been. You know, after seven Christmas services, Patty and I uh, took a couple of days off with our family, went over to Colorado. Um, and let me say this, it's cold in Colorado. It is, I mean, one day it was like eight below, uh, and it never got above freezing where we were staying in Copper Mountain. And uh, it was like, you know, I just don't want to live there. It's beautiful. Pastor Will loves it and all that stuff. But I am from the South, okay? Uh, and I was reminded of that this week. But here's just a little glimpse. Uh, we took the whole crew. So this was the first picture. This is, uh, we were getting ready to get on the uh, airplane. So this was at the airport. Here's the next one. We, we got there and Summit um, decided to go down the hill. Now, it, when you stick your tongue out, you can go a little bit faster. And so that was fun. Uh, now, Forrest was trying to uh, connect with God because he was making a snow angel. Okay, this is the whole crew, uh, and then this is uh, Patty and me on the last day of the, the trip, and, and it was a, uh, a trip in which we made memories, but we are glad to be uh, at home. You know, today is uh, the first day of 21 days of prayer. I believe that God is going to use this time to connect you, to connect you with his purpose and his plan for your life. So let me ask you a question. If you had one prayer to pray, what would it be? I mean, would you pray for your future? Would you pray about your spiritual life? Would you pray about your marriage, maybe your, ki- your kids, maybe your career? What do you want God to do in your life? Think about that. What do you want God to do? I want you to think about that, not only in this service, but think about it as you go through this week. What is, God, what do I need in my life? What do I want you to do? Today we're starting a brand new series, uh, Expect Great Things. How would your life be different if you went into every situation expecting great things? Think about that. What if you went to work expecting great things? What if you uh, came home and expected great things? What if in your marriage, if you expected great things? In your kids, if you expected great things? Here at the church, what if we walked in this auditorium and we expected great things? So many times when we look at our own... How about this? Let me just speak from my experience. If I'm not careful, I will go into a situation and I am just kind of the realistic, no-nonsense person. And so I will go in with realistic expectations. And so many times I set my expectations as realistic so that I may not be disappointed if they don't come through. And too many times in life we, we, we get on that pathway to mediocrity that we just expect the normal, realistic expectations. As a result, we can get stuck in the ordinary when maybe God wants to do something extraordinary. 
or may, maybe we're praying for uh, that we would uh, have enough to get by when God wants to throw open the windows of heaven and pour out his blessing on us. Or maybe we, we, we're just trying to manage this problem. Maybe we're trying to manage this addiction when God wants to bring total freedom. We want to do God to do the possible, but God is saying, I am longing to do the impossible in your life. I sincerely believe this, that this year is going to be different. I believe that God is going to do something special um, right here in this place. I believe that 2020 is going to be bigger, it's going to be more rewarding, it's going to be more fulfilling than any of you have ever imagined. This is the words of the Apostle Paul that said, He is able to do immeasurably more than you ask or even imagine according to the power, that power that works in you. God's power in you. He's not only going to do what you're asking, but I believe he is going to exceed your expectation. He's going to take you further than you imagine. You're going to look back next year at this year, and you're going to say, I never dreamed I would be so blessed. I never dreamed uh, that I would have this position. I never dreamed... That God's goodness would be so wonderful in my life. It's something I didn't deserve. I didn't plan on it. But God poured out his favor on me. I want you to hear that. And I want you to receive that. God's blessings in your life begin when you come to the place where you're willing to surrender it all. Where you're willing to say, God, I'm giving you this situation. I'm giving you this problem. I'm giving you this challenge. I am giving it all over to you. And I trust that you are going to work through me. It all begins when we say, God, I surrender my life to you. I give it completely. Today I want to talk to you about one of the greatest leaders in the Bible. Now, honestly, it's not one of the most well-known leaders, so most of you here today, you may have never heard about this guy. His name is Hezekiah. He was a very effective leader. When he was 25 years old, his father, King Ahaz, passed away, and Hezekiah became the king of Judah. And like so many 25-year-olds, he ascended to the throne of this opportunity and he just had this passion. I want to change the world. And so on his very first day of office, he called the leaders together and he said these things. Now, his story is told in 2 Chronicles chapter 29, but it's also told in 2 Kings. And what I want to do over the next few minutes, I'm going to merge these two um, uh, renditions of the story and just to get the heart of, of what I, want to, uh, I believe God wants to say to us today. 2 Chronicles chapter 29 he said to them, listen to me, you Levites. I want you to purify yourselves and purify the temple of the Lord, the God of your ancestors. I want you to remove all of the, the defiled things from uh, the sanctuary. In other words, his father was not a good king. And his father introduced things into the community and the worship uh, that were far, far from God's best. 
He said, our ancestors were unfaithful and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord our God. Listen to this. Our ancestors, my dad, abandoned the Lord and his dwelling place, and they turned their backs on him. And so these men took Hezekiah's word to heart, and they worked for 16 straight days around the clock, cleaning out the temple, repairing the damage, and carrying all of the unclean things that Ahaz had brought into the temple out of it. In addition to that, they went onto the hills of the community and where he had set up uh, Asherah poles and things of that to uh, introduce pagan worship to the community. They took down all of that. And you've got to understand, when he, as this young 25-year-old, goes in and to make these bold changes, everybody didn't agree with it. Everybody didn't want to go where he was leading them. But Hezekiah did what needed to be done. He was a faithful leader, and he was willing to make the changes that needed to be done. Here's the question that we have to ask ourselves. Are we willing to do what needs to be done? Are you willing to do what needs to be done? In your life, are you willing to do it? Are you willing to do? Because some of you have been um, made aware of a problem. You've been made aware of a situation, a difficulty. You've been given a challenge, and you look at that challenge, and then you thought, hmm, do I really want to do this or not? And you are back there trying to figure out your level of involvement in this particular situation. Are you willing to roll up your sleeves? Are you willing to do what needs to be done? I believe that God may prompt you, some, some of you, this week to take action. That this problem, this challenge, you know that you have a solution to that. And could it be that God is prompting you to, to bring a solution, to bring peace, to bring parties together that have been apart? So just think about that. I think you miss out on opportunities when you assume that you have second chances. And so many times we look at situations and we say, you know, I'll get around to it later. I'll get around to this later. I'll just do it. I'll put this on the back burner for now. But know this, you'll miss out on opportunities when you assume that you can get around to it later, that you, you will have a second chance to handle this situation. Sometimes the moment is now. The time is now. And that you have to deal with it now, not put it on the back burner. You miss out on opportunities when you assume that you have second chances. There are some of you today and over the next several days who will be starting a new semester at school. Okay, you're starting this new semester. Don't squander this opportunity that you have been given. Don't squander this opportunity. I want you to make the most of this opportunity as you start this new school year, this new semester. Realize that, that God has a plan for your life, and I want you to, to make decisions this semester, this season in your life, make decisions in a way that will honor the Lord and that will line your life up to his plan for your life. 
Ephesians 5 says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Notice this, it says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do you understand what the Lord's will is in your life? Hezekiah realized that he had one chance to make a first impression. I think he knew the principle, the, the, the speed of the leader, the speed of the team. And so on that very first day, he rolled up his sleeves and he went to work. And after they'd cleaned out the temple, they prepared burnt offerings and sin offerings to the Lord, and they tried to make things right. They had this huge worship celebration. It was an incredible day for the people of Judah. It was a day of victory. It was a day of renewal. It was a day of revival for the community. The decisions that he made as a leader uh, in the very first day that he uh, took charge really set him on a path for blessings. I believe that the decisions that you make today as you are charting your course for 2020, I believe the decisions that you can make today will put you onto a path to see that this will be the best year of your life. And I'm telling you this not because I am trying to pump you up with a positive mental attitude. I sincerely believe that God has something better for your life. I sincerely believe that. I believe that God is working to turn things around to bring something good out of your situation, out of your life. And I just want you to be open to that. Now, things were going well for Hezekiah and, and, and the people. Everything's going well. That is until one day in the 14th year of his administration. Now he's 39 years old. Some of you know what it feels to be 39 years old. Some of you are looking forward to being 39 years old. Some of you have been 39 years old for 20 years. How old are you, 39? And so he was 39 years old, and he received this letter from a king of a neighboring country, a king that had the reputation of uh, taking over countries and, and killing, uh, mass killings and, and so forth. And he received this um, letter that says, unless you surrender immediately and unconditionally, I'm going to invade Jerusalem. This uh, king said, I'm going to kill every man, I'm going to kill every woman, and I'm going to kill every child. This was a real threat. And, and Hezekiah understood that this maniac king had the resources and the power to live up this, to this threat that he is making. So we see in 2 Kings 19, verse 10, it said, this message is for King Hezekiah of Judah. He's saying... He said, don't let your God in whom you trust deceive you with promises that Jerusalem will not be captured by the king of Assyria. You know perfectly well what the kings of Assyria have done wherever they've gone. Wherever they've gone, they've killed people. They've completely destroyed everyone who stood in their way. 
As a guy, why should you be any different? Have the gods of other nations rescued them? My predecessors, king of Assyria, my predecessors, hey, we've destroyed them all. He's saying, Hezekiah, the same thing that has happened to these other nations will happen to you. So you might as well surrender now and we'll make it easy on you when you go into captivity. Now, can you imagine for a moment what what Hezekiah must have been feeling like when he received this threatening letter? When he received this, he, he knew that this was the worst news that he had ever received in his life. Senator Cherub was saying, I'm going to completely destroy you. I'm not only going to destroy you, but I'm going to destroy your wife and your children. I'm going to destroy those people who are close to you. And I would imagine as he's, I would imagine as he got the letter, you know, this is probably what I would have done. I would have scanned the letter very quickly because I want to see the gist of the letter. And then as he, he scanned it to see the highlights, and I believe he went and read every word of that letter. And he wanted to hear this threat. And what he started to understand, that when he says he's going to destroy the kids and my kids and the extended, I would imagine that, that, that Hezekiah understood that his only hope was in the Lord. It's God or a massacre. It's God or total destruction of the community. There's no other plan B. There's no other way out. Either God steps in or it's lights out for everybody in the community. Have you ever received news like that? That you would consider the worst news of your life. That you hear this news and you think it can't get any worse than this. Maybe it was a medical report. And you heard that C word, cancer. Maybe it was a notice from the bank and you, and you read the words foreclosure on it. And you say to yourself, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget that moment. I'll never forget when that happened. I'll never forget uh, that knock on the door. I'll never forget when I opened up those divorce papers and I thought, really? After 27 years? Really? This, I mean, it's, and then you just remember that moment. That you remember the moment that your business partner took off with all the money. Or you remember the, the moment that your wife ran off with the boss. It was like those moments had been etched in your mind, and that is the worst moment. But you know what? When you have news like that, and Hezekiah would consider this news like that, oftentimes news like that causes crystal clarity because you realize that your only hope is in God. Your only hope to get through this. Your only hope is in the Lord. Hezekiah received the letter uh, from the messengers and he read it. Notice this. Then he went to the temple of the Lord. Notice this. And he spread it out before the Lord. 
I love this imagery that he gets the worst news ever. And no doubt it was uh, on several pages. And he takes these pages. He runs to the temple of the Lord. And I, I can picture him coming uh, to the altar and just spreading this bad news out before the Lord. He's saying, God, this problem is just too big for me. I can't handle this. I cannot get through this. I don't know what to do. And he's spreading it out. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, uh, the Lord God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim. He said, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You alone have made the heavens and the earth. I think this is just the preamble to his prayer. He's reminding himself that God is in charge. He's reminded himself that when God spoke, the heavens were formed. When God spoke, the earth was created. He is reminding himself that he serves a God that is all-powerful, that he serves a God that, that has the authority to, to, to handle this situation. He does so because he is building faith up in his heart. I think he does so because he understands uh, the difference between wishing God would do something and believing that God has the sovereign power to do something. So many times our prayer lives become like a list to Santa Claus. I wish this and I wish that, I wish this other. Wouldn't it be interesting if we approached prayer uh, with the faith, believing that the sovereign God has the power to change our lives, that the sovereign God has the power to change the situation, that the sovereign God has the power to set you free. Wouldn't that just change everything, the way we approach the Lord? He's calling us to have faith. You see, prayer is bringing your wishes and your worries to God. Faith is leaving them there. uh, Prayer is bringing your wishes and your worries, your concerns all to God. But faith is saying, God, I am leaving them with you. I cannot handle this anymore. I need this power that is greater than myself. I am going to trust that you are going to work it out. Now, I've done that many a time. And I'll tell you what I've done the next day. Sometimes I have gone back and I've picked it up again. And then I have to come back and say, God, I'm giving this to you. And two or three days later, I find myself going back and picking it up. That is a process of learning to let go. And some of you are caught in that right now. You are caught into running back to where you've been, running back to that old life, running back to that old relationship. Let it go. God has a better plan for your life. You gotta trust him. Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. The path that you uh, may be on seems like a dead end. 
Don't look at the circumstances. But trust God, he's going to work it out. Here's the point. If you are praying, I believe that God is working. If you are praying, God is working. And he doesn't make mistakes. You've got to learn how to trust him. You see, faith is trusting him when you don't understand the plan. Faith is learning to trust him when you don't understand the plan, when you don't understand what's going on. Back to Hezekiah's prayer. He said, give ear, Lord, and hear. Open up your eyes, Lord, and see and listen to the words of Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste to these uh, nations in their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them. For they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand so that the kingdoms of the earth may know you alone are the Lord. You are God. When I read this, I see that Hezekiah's prayer was very simple. He's saying, God, listen to me. Open up your ears. Hear me. Open up your eyes. Help me. Um, help me here. Deliver me. Hezekiah does something in the 6th century B.C. that was uh, echoed by the Apostle Paul in the 1st century A.D. Paul said these words, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request unto the Lord. Don't be anxious about anything. But with prayer and petition, thanksgiving, present your request. Tell God what you need. Talk to the Lord about it. So let's put ourselves in Hezekiah's situation. What do you do when you get a letter like that? When you get a letter that is saying your life as you know it is over. Look at what's... Hezekiah's response, verse 20. Then King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, cried out in prayer to heaven about this. Now, this is interesting to me. What do we see in this? We're hearing Hezekiah's story, but all of a sudden, we're, another guy's introduced. Isaiah's introduced. Hezekiah called his friend. He called his friend, the prophet Isaiah, and he said, I need you uh, to help join with me in prayer. And what we see here is that there is power when people come together in prayer. Hezekiah was feeling threatened. He called his friend Isaiah and said, I need you to pray with me. There is power when two or three are gathered in his name. Today, we as a church are starting 21 days of prayer. Who do you need to pray for? There are two pieces of paper uh, under, on your seat um, and a booklet. And the booklet is just a tool to help you in this set. I want you to take this uh, first one. It says, my seven targets for God's blessing. I want you to take that out. It looks like this. My seven targets for God's blessing. And we want to start by asking God to pour out his favor on seven people. Okay? We're going to pray. God, pour out your favor. Now, 
I want you to think about seven people that do not know the Lord. I want you to think about seven people that you know that are headed for a Christless eternity. Seven people that may not have anybody else praying for them, but you, over this next 21 days, you're going to call their names out, you're going to write their names down, and you're going to pray over them. And this is going to be a card that you're going to take home with you. Maybe you put it um, on your dashboard of your car. Maybe you put it uh, on the countertop of your kitchen or in your bedroom. Or you put it on your refrigerator. But these are seven people that you are going to pray for over the next 21 days. Ask God to pour out his favor. And let's join together. You know, uh, for the last decade or so, we have dedicated these glass windows as prayer walls. And so maybe you write your seven targets down and you take those home, but maybe after service, uh, you'll come and you'll write their names on these windows so that we can be reminded on a weekly basis that there are people uh, that uh, have touched your heart that need God. You know, it's interesting that we do this every Christmas, right after Christmas Eve services, we, um, we clean the windows. All the names that you've written on those windows last year, they're cleaned off. Why? Because we want to pray new prayers for the new year. And so we're maybe more than 10 years into this, but we're just going to use this as a point, as a reminder that people need the Lord. As you see, we want Stevens Creek Church to be known in this community, not just for the music that we sing or the messages that we present, but we want to be known in this community for the prayers that we pray. And tomorrow the church is going to be opened at 6 a.m. for individual prayer, and at 7 a.m. it's going to be open for a prayer service. I want you to carve out time. I would love for you to be here tomorrow. But if you can't, look at your schedule, carve out time. On Saturday, it's going to be at 9 a.m. Matthew said, if two of you on earth shall agree about anything you ask for, it shall be done to you by your Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am with them. Hezekiah knew that. He knew the power of agreement. He said, after Hezekiah received that letter from the messengers and read it, he went up to the Lord's temple and he spread it out before the Lord. When, when he spread that out before the Lord, he took his greatest burdens, his greatest worry, and his greatest fear. And he was very open about it. And he spreads it out. He spreads it out. And he starts to pray. He calls his friend Isaiah. He said, I need you to help me pray. Verse 20. And then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent this message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I have heard your prayer. Hezekiah prayed. God answered. Do you know what happened the very next day? You know, they had these attacking armies that are headed that way. God sent one angel that night. And where those uh, thousands upon thousands of, of troops were coming in to destroy uh, Jerusalem, God sent one angel. And that one angel killed 185,000 of those enemy combatants. 
that one angel killed 180. When everybody woke up the next morning, there were bodies everywhere. And the rest of the army retreated. God is bigger than you think. And some of you are wrestling with the enemies. You're wrestling with forces of evil. I am telling you, God has the power to push back the forces of evil. God has the power to do that. But it all started when he started to spread it out. So what do you need to spread out before the Lord? What's that little piece of paper that you need to spread out for the Lord? Is it a, a little piece of paper from work? Maybe you have been given an assignment that's too hard or, or maybe a performance re review that has not been positive and you need to say, God, I'm giving this. I'm in over my head. I need you to help me. Maybe it's a pink slip. You've been let go and you, you're going to spread that out or maybe it's a bill or maybe you're in a financial situation that you never dreamed that you would be in and you just want to spread that out, those bills out. Maybe it's a word from a doctor. You need to spread it out. Maybe it's one of your kids. Hezekiah spreads out those things that were concerning to him. I think the single most important activity that moves us into the right direction, the direction that we need to be in, the single most important activity is prayer. And if you will listen to me and you will do this, you will see your life start to change. Another card. Take out this other card, and it says, Today, I am praying for. So, here's the point. What do you need from the Lord? What are those needs you have? What are those things that you're believing for? And I, you're going to take this one home, but this one, if you want to, you can leave it here. And you're going to fill this out. And God, this is, and Todd's going to come sing a song. And as he's singing this song, you can take some time to fill this out. And if you'd like to come forward and lay it out on this stage and spread it out before the Lord. Here's what I promise. I promise you that tomorrow morning, there will be people that will join with you and will pray over these. Those names, those issues that you have, there will be people that will get up early and they will call your name. They'll call the situation before the Lord and they will stand in the gap, not only tomorrow, but the next day and the next day and the next day because we are gonna believe together that God is gonna hear and answer the prayers and God is gonna change your life. This is a day of renewal. This is a day where we can expect God to do great things because you are a people of faith. And I believe that when we have faith, there's nothing that is impossible. I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this congregation right now. I pray for those watching online. I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would rest upon you. And to those that are struggling, to those that are in difficulty, I pray that this is the day that's a turnaround day for, the, for you. It's not only the day where you re have regrets and you feel sorry and you, you for ask for forgiveness, but today is a day that you're going to turn around and walk in a new direction. God, let your power set people free. And Lord, we're lifting up these cards and we ask God that you would come and move in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.
Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.